Okay, so Mark chapter 4, and it says in verse 3, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds of the and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some uh, multiplying 30 some 60 and some 100 times. And then Jesus tells us what that parable is about and he says this, don't you understand this parable? Um, the farmer sows the word. Some people are, are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes along and takes the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. And for all of us, we, we, we want to be good soil, that when we hear him speak, we multiply 30, 60, 100 times what we heard sown in our hearts. And as a local church, you would say, what's the vision of this local church? Well, part of our vision is to be a place that's really good soil, where men and women can grow and the good things of the kingdom can be established in our lives. And by looking at these verses, I want to talk a bit about what, what is God's part in this multiplication. I want to talk about our response, our part, and our cooperation in being good soil. And I, I want really to talk about, in fact, how good soil is produced through our connection to Jesus Christ. So his part. The seed, the word, he says, the word was sown. There is power in God speaking. There's something powerful in God speaking. When God speaks, things happen. When God said, let there be light, there was light and there was creation. Jesus spoke. He spoke to the fig tree and it withered. Proverbs says, there's life and there's death in the power of the tongue. There's power in God's word. There's power and life and light and liberty and freedom in the word of God, in the things that God says. In fact, you can't get saved without God speaking a word. Um, we don't save ourselves. If you're a Christian here this morning, it's not that one day you woke up and decided on your own decision and volition, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. It was because you heard a word from heaven that God made you born again of the Spirit, that God took initiative, that God spoke a word. In fact, you can't be transformed without God speaking. Romans says, be transformed, be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. And actually, we need a word from God. We need God to say something for transformation to happen. 
And so I want to ask you and be challenging, how attentive and how expectant are you for God to speak? Because we live by every word that comes from his mouth. We need him to be speaking. We need, as it were, fresh manna from the ground every day. It says that Israel, uh, coming out of Egypt and on their way to the promised land, would go and collect the manna, that sweet bread that tasted like honey. And they had to go every day. And there should be an expectation for us to say, actually, I'm hungry for a fresh word from you every day. I'm hungry for you to speak to me every day. I'm going to position my life to hear your voice. I'm going to position my life to have a word from you today. I've got to hear from you today, God. You're the bread of life. You're the living water. Jesus, you said, if anyone's thirsty, let them come to me. I'm coming to you. I want to hear your voice because I'm thirsty. The woman at the well in John 4, when Jesus tells her everything she's ever done, talks about living water. She wants that living water. She's captivated by the idea there's one who can quench your thirst. And we have to be like that. Actually, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm living in a dry and barren land. I've got to come for a fresh word from you, God. I've got to come for fresh water from you, God. I want to hear something today. Your word produces life. You created the planets and the universe and the complexity of this whole world just by speaking it. He's amazing. And he can do that in our lives. He can speak a word and we come into the reality of it. So we're to be those who say, I'm actually hungry to position my life for a fresh word from you, God. I'm hungry. I'm going to position my life to be hungry to hear from you again. And one of the primary ways we get a fresh word is we come to the Bible to hear a fresh word. We don't neglect Holy Spirit in that. We come, we open it up, and we say, I'm going to hear a fresh word from you today. Something's going to jump out of these pages. There's going to be spirit and life to me today. Your word is life. I'm going to hear something today. And we can declare that when we open the Bible, I'm not coming to do a religious ritual. It's not that if I read a chapter, you're not happy, and I reach three chapters, you're happy. You're already said there's no condemnation. I'm coming because I want life. I want bread. I want water. I've got to have my hunger met and I've got to have my thirst quenched. So I'm coming for a fresh word from you. I'm coming for a fresh word from you. We can hear God's word through relationships, through one another. Yeah, I'm coming to God for a word, but I'm also going to hear from God through people who know me, through people I'm walking deeply with. Through people who know my strengths and know my weaknesses. Through authenticity and transparency, we get a fresh word from God. We mustn't despise community. We mustn't despise the gathering together at the local church. It's a powerful thing. You can hear something from God through your brother and sister. Through the local church, that something happens in the corporate gathering. Something happens as we worship together and sing together. We hear from God together. We get a fresh word from God. Get back to basics. There's no condemnation. The Father loves you. You can hear that, and you can hear that over coffee as you speak to one another. So the word of God, the seed of God, is God's 
gift to us. It comes from him. It says the sower sowed the word. It's something that's coming from him. He wants to speak. He's so eager to speak. It's the birthright of a son and daughter to hear the voice of the father. It's your birthright. It's not something you're going to earn, merit. He is a speaking God. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. He's such a good, good shepherd. He's got things to say about absolutely everything. He's got wisdom. He's got insights. He says, my sheep know my voice. He can overcome any deafness that we might have. He knows how to speak in a way where we can hear. And so this word, this seed, it can sometimes be a simple seed, a simple word, comes with radical, jam-packed potency and power. That's why Jesus is saying it has the potential to multiply 30, 60, 100 times. So you can hear the most simple word from God, and that simple word from God has the power to utterly transform you, transform your family, transform your marriage, transform your parenting, transform your environment, transform where you work, transform a community. It's jam-packed with the power for fruitfulness, multiplication and transformation. That's what Jesus is saying. And we know it's true. It's like a little acorn. This tiny little thing, a hundred years later, becomes this gigantic tree. This little mustard seed, Jesus says, is the smallest of all the seeds. It can become a tree that houses the birds of the air. And then Jesus says there's something, there's a part that we play. So this word comes to us as pure gift. It's all his initiative. Salvation is his initiative. He spoke a word and we were saved. And then he says about how we receive it. There's a receiving part. This is now our part. So he's generously sowing words all the time. You've heard things today. What are you going to do with them? So Jesus is saying, even this morning as we've been worshipping, seeds are being sown. You're hearing things now. You're going to hear things later on. Now what are you going to do? And it says, some seed fell along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes along and takes it away. Some don't put their roots into it. Receive it with joy, but then it withers because there's no roots. Others get choked out. Our part is to say, God, I want to be, I want to be good soil for the word of God. I, I want to be good soil. I want to be good soil for you. That is actually the state of the soil that is a key factor on whether a word germinates and multiplies and grows and becomes something great and strong and robust. I want to receive it. I want to accommodate it. I want to accept it. So we just want to talk about the three things that Jesus talks about in these verses. He says, not allowing it to be snatched. The farmer sows the word. Some are like seed along the path where the word 
um, where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes along and takes the word that was sown in them. Jesus is saying that you can hear something. So him speaking and us hearing is all his responsibility. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. So him speaking the word and us hearing it, that's God's part. But then he's saying that it's possible to hear and immediately have it snatched away. It can be, you can maybe hear that word. There's no condemnation. And you hear it, but it's immediately snatched away because your mind reminds you maybe of why there is condemnation. Or maybe you hear a word and you're opening the Bible and you read it and, you, and it jumps out at you, but immediately you're gripped with unbelief about it. You may read something about the love of God, the goodness of the Father. And as soon as you read it, it's like you get snatched away because unbelief comes in. And it's snatched and gone. You heard it and then it was gone. Or maybe there can be regret. You can hear a word about your best days are in front of you. Your best days are in front of you. And immediately it gets snatched because you regret the days that were behind you. And you wish that you had done differently, spoken differently, acted differently. So it gets snatched by regret. Or the word comes and says, be courageous, be bold, but you're so discouraged that it gets snatched by a discouragement or you're disappointed disappointed by situations or circumstances and it just gets snatched away or you're feeling guilty or you don't like yourself and you self-loathe or maybe you're full of pride and you think actually I don't really need a saviour I can save myself all these things, these emotions, these things can come and the seed is sown and it's snatched away really quickly. That's why it's so important when, we, when we're maybe in fellowship with other people or we're in church and we hear him speak or we're reading the Bible we hear him speak and we pause and think that was Almighty God, that was Holy Spirit, God saying something. I must be alert. I must register this moment. I've just heard a, a, a word from God. God's just spoken. That verse is just jumped out. It means something. God speaking. God speaking joy. God speaking hope. God speaking peace. And Jesus is saying, be alert. Be watchful. Be when you're coming into those times with God, be aware that he's going to speak. And then Jesus says, or others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And so this is with... This is with, we are alert in this one. We are alert, we're aware, 
we're tuned into God as it were, we're coming to be within the radio station as it were, we don't really do that much now, dialing in do we, it's more, we're putting the channel on the satellite thing, we've said I want to hear God, I'm putting in that number, I'm, I'm, I'm alert to hear God's voice, and we hear something and we receive it with great joy, we receive it with real pleasure. And so we're reading the Bible and Jesus talks about the power of forgiveness. The power of saying, I will not let any root of bitterness grow in me. The the, the power of, I choose to forgive. I choose to let that person off. I choose to forget that debt they owe me, as it were. Maybe that emotional debt they owe me. That thing they did wrong that churns you up, that wakes you up in the middle of the night. And you, you get woken up at three in the morning and all you can see is the film running past your eyes, they said this, they said that, they didn't do this, and you feel rage and anger, and then you hear a fresh word from Jesus, and he says, actually, you can be set free from that self-imposed prison cell through the power of forgiveness, and you receive the word with great joy. You think, wow, forgiveness, I can let them off, I can consider the debt paid, I... You know, there's lots of other complexities around forgiveness. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to immediately trust them again. It's, a, it's, a, it's about me and God. This is a transaction between me and heaven. I choose to forgive and I receive it in joy. But then when trouble or persecution becomes because of the word, it's like it didn't have any roots in you. Maybe the person re does the same thing again, says the same thing again. Or maybe it's the tape comes back that night and, you, and you're drawn in again. To look at it and to watch it and listen to the replay. It's like it gets snatched away. It didn't have any roots. That's why often we say with forgiveness, you come to it again, you come to it again, you come to it again. Say, no, this is about my freedom. I'm coming to it again. I want this seed to put deep roots into good soil. I'm not accommodating bitterness. I'm not accommodating unforgiveness. Or maybe it's you hear a word about giving. And you hear the testimonies of people who have been joyfully given. And you hear the joy of them partnering with God through financial generosity. And you get excited about that. And you want to enter into their story as well. Happened to me a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, I heard a guy talk about his giving. And it gripped me so much. I thought, wow, this this guy is stirring up a fresh excitement about giving. I'm excited. I received the word with joy. And then we had the worst financial year we'd had in the whole of our marriage since we were first married. But, we, but there was a moment for no, I'm going back to that original word. God, I received it with joy. I know that these are the circumstances. This is going to break. I know that Graham Cook, you know, the, the prophet says, he looks at his bank balance, his bank statement, and says, I expect better from you. <laughs> I, I, and though we don't give, we don't give to receive... We're giving because we love God and we love his kingdom. And we're giving for our good in many ways because I want a generous heart. I want a free heart. But Jesus does say, I promise to make all this abound to you. The measure you use is the measure I'm going to use back to you. But I receive the word of joy. I want my roots to go into the soil because I don't want this thing to wither. This was a God moment. And our testimony would be it actually did break. There was a moment, a day, still can remember it, where suddenly something cracked open financially, and as it often is with God, 
this multiplication is quite incredibly much more than our multiplication. Uh, I think it was, I don't know the exact numbers, I just know that it was a, a wonderful overflow of his goodness. So I receive it with joy. I want my roots to go deeply. Maybe it's a decision saying, I'm going to serve God. Maybe it's a decision to say, I'm going to serve God in this local, local church. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring who I am and bring my gift and everything. And I'm going to be there to serve and get stuck in. And, and maybe you, you heard the word afresh, actually. I, I was born, born for a purpose. Uh, and I know that that purpose, that that. that Design can be out in the workplace as well. I mean, you know, for most of us, 99% of our life is out there in the workplace. There's no secular, sacred divide. What we do out there is spiritual. It's not just in here. But maybe for this example's sake, you just feel actually I'm stirred to serve in the local church. I'm stirred to get stuck in. But maybe you haven't been coming very often and very regular. Maybe, and but you felt heard a word about getting stuck in. And the word you received it with joy, and then the next Sunday, you think, I just can't get up, Nick. I can't get up tomorrow. I'll have a week off, I'll have a week off. Mm-hmm. Can you see, there's a moment that you receive it with joy, and then when trouble and hardship comes, you think, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that word I think I heard. Yeah. And the roots wither because there's no depth to the soil. Or maybe it's about trusting God and not being anxious. You hear a word where Jesus says, do not be anxious about anything. And you think, what does anything mean? It means anything. That nothing's in You don't have to worry about anything. And you receive it with joy. Until, because of that word, as it were, something comes along where you get to choose. Do I worry or don't worry? It's like it gets challenged immediately. And that moment you receive the word don't worry seems to wither because you go back to anxiety and worry. And then Jesus says this, for other soil, but still others, like seeds sown, um, and st- uh, verse 18, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Amen. So there's that first one, it gets snatched away, you hear it, and it's gone before you even realised it. The second one is there's no roots. And the third one is it just gets choked out. There's just no room in the soil for it. The seed comes, this powerful, life-giving, liberating, transforming word of God. And it finds in your heart there's just no room. There's no room for it to grow and thrive and develop. And Jesus says there's, there's deceitfulness of wealth. And the desire for other things come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. Remember someone said, it's not wrong to have something, but it is wrong for that thing to have you. And you know the difference, don't you? (laughs) You know the difference when you have money and when money has you. You You know the difference between when an ambition is a godly ambition. It's not wrong to have a godly ambition, but you know when that's your whole identity. And it enslaves you completely. You, you know when the desire for promotion is a good thing, it's a godly thing to want to do well in your workplace, but you know when you're a slave to it. 
And you know when your whole identity is wrapped up in how people see you, perceive you. And it chokes out the life in the seed. And so Jesus is saying, actually it's not wrong to desire good things. I can have all things, Paul says. I won't be mastered by anything. That's freedom. And so Jesus is saying, make sure there's room in your heart for the word of God. Make sure when he speaks his word, whether it's for a brother or sister, whether it's as you're reading the Bible, as it where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You're watching a film and you hear the word of God. You, know, you can hear God speak in a movie. Why does this film affect me the way that it does? Why is that line in a song just jumping out? Are you saying something, God? Are you speaking? I want to hear your word. Jesus is saying, when you hear his word, make sure there's room in your heart that the seed can grow. Amen. Don't justify or accommodate or be defensive. You've got to come with humility to it. We've got to come and say, God, do a work in my heart. I'm expecting, I'm excited, I want you to speak. I'm not going to be defensive and I'm not going to accommodate. And sometimes have you had that, that somebody speaks the truth to us and it hurts and we become immediately defensive. Actually, we should pause and, and just say, is there anything in that? So we're not going to accommodate, we're not going to be defensive. We're going to be open to God and say, you get, you, you get, the, you get the run of the house, God. Because it's interesting, I heard someone quote this, he says this, you cannot change your heart, and God says, I cannot change your mind. But if you change your mind, I will change your heart. Amen. You can't change your heart. That's the whole story of the Old Testament. The law is good, the law is right, the law points out what is good, and the law points out what is bad, it's godly and holy, but you cannot change your own heart. That's why we needed a saviour. That's why we needed Jesus. That's why we needed a king who would come in our place and live the holy life for us, to have it credited to us, so that we could have a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone, Jeremiah says. But God doesn't come in and take over our mind. And sometimes we can say, Lord, I give you my heart, 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 I give you my heart. And God can say, I have your heart already, it's your mind. That's what I need. And that's another way of looking at this parable, is what's the state of our thoughts. God says, as, as you renew your mind and take thoughts captive, actually that will be a catalyst for a, a transformed inner world. So I'm not going to justify, I'm not going to accommodate, I'm not going to be defensive. I want to finish with this. And I want to root it all back to God again. There's a real danger on this, is that on one hand we could become kind of passive people, well you speak God, I'm just here to listen, and I'm not really active in any of this. Or we could become, well, it's all about me, it's all about me looking at the soil of my own heart. It's all about me introspecting. It's all about me analysing the state of the soil. It's all about me going to work and making sure the soil. Have I missed a word and we can become kind of neurotic and fearful? That's another extreme, which is not a healthy extreme. Neither is passivity a healthy... <laughs> passivity or just terrible introspection to try and fix yourself. These are awful extremes. 
Personally, I've lived in the tyranny and captivity to introspection, thinking it was all up to me, just thinking it was about my discipline, my intentionality, me working hard. And Jesus comes and says, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? Comes to each of us and says, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? Since you can't produce any fruit, how much help do you need? Does an apple tree bear apples because it grunts or do you ever walk past a tree and it's grunting? You say, what are you doing? I'm trying to bear fruit. I'm trying to, they're expecting fruit from me. They're going to come and pick the apples soon and I need to be fruitful. Oh, apple tree, maybe you should look inwards and inspect your heart. Maybe your problem is X, Y or Z. No, you're going to bear fruit, apple tree, because you're an apple tree. You abide in the soil and put your roots down deep. You hold out your leaves, as it were, to the sun. Fruit is coming. Because you're an apple tree. That's your identity. Yeah. And then the identity for the believer is, I'm actually good soil. Amen. I'm actually good soil. Amen. And I'm going to bear fruit because I'm going to put my roots down into Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. And I'm going to receive who he is for me who he is with me, who he is in me, and who I am in him. Because you're a son or daughter of the king, you're designed to be a fruit-bearing, good soil, multiplying believer. That's who you are. And I think these parables are not to cause us to look inwards to try and think, right, there's something wrong with me, I've got to fix me. Like DIY, my life is project me. And that's where I got stuck. For years and years and years, I thought the, the walk with Jesus was, there's me and there's him, and I've got to try and fix me so that I can be fruitful for him. And so it becomes DIY, project me. What are you challenging me on now, Jesus? What am I working on now, Jesus? And I don't believe that's the place for the believer. The place for the believer is, I'm going to trust who you are. I'm going to trust what you've done. I'm going to trust the finished work of the cross. I can do nothing. And yet at the same time, I'm powerful and I've got choices to make. Can you see the mystery of the gospel? I've not become some robot. I've got choices to make. Adam and Eve had choices to make. There was the tree of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. And there was the tree of life. And God did say, don't eat. And yet these actually perfect beings chose and made a choice to do what they wanted. Because God wired you and me with choices to make. We get to choose. Can you see the complexity of these things? I am good soil, but actually you can make and I can make poor choices that means that we do get the word snatched before we fully embrace it. And it can be received with joy and then get no roots. And it can get choked out. And it's that mystery. I get to choose. I get to choose, do I wake up to come and be with Christians? I get to choose, do I give or don't I give? I get to choose, do I serve or don't I serve? I get to choose, do I forgive or don't I forgive? 
Or do I forgive or don't I forgive? I get to choose. He doesn't come and control me. I live, as it were, in this garden, this perfect garden with God, and I've got choices to make. Love requires choices. How can we really love God if we're not choosing to love him? If love looks like this, I choose not that because I want that. I choose not this because I want that. I choose not to meditate on this or watch that or listen to that because I want my soil to be good soil because I love him. And I'm making all these choices and yet at the same time I am good soil. It's a mystery. But I'm not some passive robot in it. Neither am I a victim. I get to choose. So the, the, the crop, the multiplication, the fruitfulness is all about relationship. Everything in the kingdom comes down to relationship. Everything. The new birth is because he says, here I am. Come home to a really good father. Be loved. Be forgiven. Felt God say this to me over the holidays. The frequency of my love has the power to disintegrate all blockage to the experiential enjoyment of love. And apparently they can get rid of gallstones through the vibration, through a frequency that can absolutely disintegrate your gallstones. They don't have to open up and do surgery. There's a vibration, there's a frequency that can actually remove them. And actually, as we come as people, say, I'm going to bask in your love. I'm going to put my roots into your truths. I'm going to abide with you and walk with you. I'm going to love on you and let you love me. I'm going to enjoy relationship. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to be like a little baby, a little child who simply believes I'm going to accept your love, your goodness, and your favour. And I'm going to let the frequency of your love transform my heart. So that who I am already is who I will become in practice. I am already good soil because of the righteousness and the finished work of Jesus. And I'm making choices in my life as a good gardener to look after my heart and how I receive his word. Just to finish, I was going to invite the stand. I'm going to pray for us before we. Just would urge, urge you in faith to come this week to. The Bible with a real expectation that God's going to speak. He's going to speak about you. He's going to speak about himself. He's going to speak about your circumstances. He's going to bring out promises that are going to come alive to you. That he wants to encounter you and you to encounter him. Just to even now to say to you, this is what we're doing this week. Self, we're opening up the Bible with deep expectation. He's going to speak. I'm going to, I am good soil. I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be receptive. I'm going to be alert. I'm going to receive it with joy. I'm going to put roots down. And I'm going to 
clear out anything that chokes the soil and anything that crushes it. And maybe for some it might be a decision. I'm going to talk to a brother or a sister and I'm going to tell them about something that's choking the life of God and we're going to walk together on it and I'm just going to bring it out into the light and be honest. But ultimately it's about this. I choose to love God. I choose to be loved by God. I choose to believe the gospel. I choose to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I choose to believe that he's a good, good father and that I'm loved by him. I choose to believe his promises. I choose to believe his word. I choose to come to him for life. I fix my heart upon him. I'm going to make choices that allow me to grow and mature and develop.